just a quick reminder that some of these stories and some of the language used in this episode is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. All right, y'all. The vocab word of the week this week is a little different because it does not have to necessarily do with the LGBTQ community, but it is a new word and I just learned it and I think that it is vital that you learn it as well. It is chuggy. And chuggy is a term used mainly by Gen Z to describe something that's out of date, but a millennial would do it. So for example, having like a live, laugh, love sign in your house, that's chuggy. Having girl boss energy, like, hey girly, wanna invest in my company? <laughs> that is chuggy. So I don't think it's always a bad thing, but it is a term mainly used against us millennials. And now you know. Today we are welcoming our very first lesbian and my dear friend, Sarah. We're going to talk about what it looks like to come out while you're living at your parents' house and how dating even works during a pandemic. Sarah and I actually both went to or participated in something that we can sort of relate to Alcoholics Anonymous, but for being gay. We're going to talk about that and much more. Sarah's story is not only only wow. relatable, but wow. extremely powerful. I'm your host, Jack White, and this is Y'all Are Gay. Let's get real. Let's just go through your story. I mean, if you want to break into that and, um, you know, we can start from wherever you want. So your story is great, no matter how you tell it. I'll start pre-college, because really all of that, like, I did not, I definitely didn't have like a young, because also say is I can look back at my life and like, and view it through a certain lens and be like, oh, that could have pointed me there or wherever. But I really didn't um, think about or like have any inkling towards being gay or anything until maybe high school. And so with high school, I also was very religious growing up or not even so much my family, but I went to a private Christian school growing up. So it was just so normal being Christian and mm-hmm. such a bubble. And um, there was all this just unspoken stuff that we didn't really, no one really explicitly talked about being like how homosexual I was a sin or something like that, mm-hmm. but it was just understood. So I was really careful to separate um, any of that type of thought I reserved for celebrities only. So I never, <laughs> I never had like any crushes on girls. Like I can only remember one time that I ever like had a jealous moment was when my, fr- we were watch. I hosted like a bachelor party, bachelor walk watching party. Yeah. And two friends were like giggling and kind of like, normal straight like cuddly girls and I remember being angry because I couldn't hear the show but it wasn't because I heard the show it's because I was like jealous <laughs> the only time I remember that's amazing so uh, <laughs> yeah that that's funny like looking back on it you can be like oh yeah no I was actually just I wanted to cuddle <laughs> right I wish I was in that but I was very like 
focused on school and sports and being a good kid. So in any other realm, I was going to follow the rules and compartmentalize my life. So mm-hmm. um, there was the only other thing about high school that I remember was, I think it was when I was trying to think about where to go to college. Mm-hmm. I do remember thinking maybe I should go far away so I can experiment. So that, so that no one knows who I am. No one knows that I have this Christian label and that way I can do whatever I want, like in another world and still keep my reputation at home, basically. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I wanted to do the same thing, but like post-college, uh-huh. I like had these plans to move to New Zealand and like I had a job and everything and it just fell through. Um, and I stayed in Waco. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing I was like, so where did I go to college? Two hours away. Yeah. In a smaller, more conservative, <laughs> like more Christian town. Yeah. It was just very ironic and funny, but definitely. And then, so like growing up, did you ever have that realization, I guess, before college? But like, when was the first time you're like, oh, shit, like, I think I'm gay? Um, I think a little bit in, co- in high school, only in the sense that I, I did the whole, U- like, I YouTubed lesbian couples. <laughs> yeah. And I even did the thing where I like, I would look in the mirror and try and say I'm gay. And, but then I just felt I, and so I would, I would say it and I felt weird about it though. And I thought, Sarah, you're just trying to make your life more exciting than it is. Like, you know, I was like, I had it pretty good growing up. So I was like, oh, you're just trying to. I had no idea. I don't know. I, but I didn't really even believe myself when I said it in the mirror. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was really not. And so I would say I, pr- I pretty much identified early on that I had this like struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I also, what was really a big thing was I really lumped it up with um, lust and like mm. pornography and stuff. So I had this whole, Oh, that's caused because of this, which in re- when I look back in hindsight, I'm like, I was just a horny teenager like anyone else. <laughs> totally. And yeah. I, I thought I had this addiction, which is wild, yeah. mm-hmm. but that's what I did. And so, um, so I knew in high school that was like kind of a thing mm-hmm. and then going to college, um, was another story. I, in college, I would say faith played a really big role versus before it was much more personal. I worked at yeah. um, Canacuck for a summer, which was a turning point. Um, How and, so? Um, it was a turning point because I worked in the kitchen and I ended up meeting people who were really... For for the first time for me, people who really were honest about themselves and about their lives and what they went through. And I finally had people who, um, I met people who talked about real shit in their life. Mm -hmm. One of whom, uh, one of the girls ended up being really instrumental in me figuring out like 
that I was gay, but she was always really supportive and just kind of came from another world. Didn't really fit the Kanaka bubble, like always had to cover up her tattoos and like she dated a girl at one point. She's straight, but she dated a girl and like, or realized she, I mean, she's married to a man now, but still very like yeah. another world that I, I didn't know, know people growing up like that. Right. So, that wow. Was- that's sorry. That's, that's um, just interesting because I feel like Kanaka and for like people listening who don't know what that is, it's, it's a Christian camp, but it's, primarily based for sports is that correct yes okay and it's i think it's different than a lot of other camps because like your focus is sports and god whereas the other ones are like fun and god and so you get like such a different group of people and especially i think with women too probably who are there Mm -hmm. and i was at the school for uh, our school i was at the camp where it was uh like junior high so you got the like it was a mix of awkward but even still like the the type of people who end up working there fit a um they're very all-american mm-hmm. i guess i'd they're very all-american and she she was not all-american i would say i was even all-american at that time you know um but it's a different it's interesting looking back at it now, but I'm really thankful for it compared to when I came back. That was when I got involved in Waco, Antioch, and that's where I would say um, that is where I have more of my regret than I do my Canica experience. Yeah. Um, so, which for is sure. a whole other story, which we will get into, I'm sure. But Yeah, yeah. Take a sip of that beer <laughs> before we get into that. So, um, so did you work at Canacuck when you were in high school going into college or was it when you were in college? No, I, I went to camp growing up. So I was a, I went from seven years old. And so I worked the summer after my freshman year. And, um, and then that's when I, in my freshman year, I was kind of all over the place. At Baylor. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do anything crazy. It was just, I mean, everyone's freshman year is interesting because you're making friends. I was, I was making friends for the first time in forever and it's just weird, but I came back, um, and then really got involved in a church for the first time because I wanted to not because of um that's where all my friends went or blah 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 and or parents um, or yeah yeah. parents just your environment and so when I came back um and granted so at camp was the first time really that I had quote confessed all these things before Mm -hmm. I had never shared that before so coming back I was scared because I was like I'm in this bubble at camp I'm not going to be able to survive resisting you know, same-sex attraction, resisting less, like all this stuff. I need a support system. So when I got back, that's when I immediately sought out friends who all happened to go to this same church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I got involved. Yeah. Yeah. I That's crazy. So walk me through like that experience. So you're, you're coming into this church and mm-hmm. you're like, I'm here because I have this 
same-sex attraction struggle and I need a community and this is the community that I find. So like, yeah, we'll, we'll start with that. And how did, how did those conversations happen and, and what kind of happened through that? So I definitely downplayed the same sex attraction part. Right. So I got, um, cause a lot of it was me just in general finding faith. How do I practically do this? I'd never really, it was never demonstrated before. So that, that was a huge part of it was the actual faith part. And then another side was, um, I, cause I really, I felt like it was still really taboo. I felt more comfortable with saying, Oh, lust and like pornography and all this other stuff over same sex attraction because mm. it just felt more taboo. So I didn't bring that up as much. Um, I did occasionally when I thought it was like getting rough because also I didn't think that was the root of it all. I thought it was something else. So mm. really in, in high school, I mean, sorry, college in college, I, I felt like a poster child for freedom and vulnerability mm-hmm. and like I'm Brene Brown power of vulnerability. I'm going to share my story to everyone yeah. share my testimony and at the sororities, like, yep. They get you on the sorority train real quick with sharing yes. your testimony. And yes. then now like 500 girls know that you are <laughs> struggling with looking at lesbian porn. Yes. Like, Oh, I mean, in the moment, though, what was the feeling? Because I think that's important to talk about because we like, I I did almost the same thing. So it was very, I mean, I think it was very empowering to tell everyone because Mm -hmm. I thought that the more I talked about it, the less power it had over me. Mm -hmm. It was very much, I'm bringing this out of darkness into light. You know, the less, if I keep it hidden and secret, the more it has the ability to take over my life. Yep. And you're told that too, actually, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think you're told that, I don't know. I don't know what it is, why that's so important, but um, because I think if you keep talking about it, then you have to keep confessing. You have to be, keep being accountable. Whereas if you're secret about it, you can go off and do whatever you want, you know, like, I don't yeah. know. Which is funny because I was like doing both for sure. <laughs> I, I didn't like, well, at least, so I didn't, I didn't broach like a physical line with a girl until after college. Mm -hmm. Wow. Regrets, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) If only we hung out a little bit more in college. No. (laughs) So, um, oh, and that's the thing too. I didn't drink because I also, it didn't matter. I would just make out with anybody. Like once I was drunk, I was just like. Whose lips want to be on mine? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel that for sure. Yeah. I was like making out with these poor girls and everyone's like talking about it because I didn't date. And then so it was like, he's, oh, they're hooking up. And I'm like, yeah, sick, bro. <laughs> yeah. I've apologized to a couple of them. I'm <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so throughout college, um, then were you like your thoughts while this was all happening? Um, like, yes, I'm getting it out. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being vulnerable. It doesn't have a grasp on me. Um, did that remain all throughout all of college? 
Actually, through college, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, interesting enough, I probably only had one time did I have a thought about like an actual like person I knew, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and I never, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on it because also I think I was definitely struggling with depression at the time and didn't know it, mm-hmm. um, so. Um, I, and I knew, you know, I didn't really date at all, even guys. Cause it, I truly thought it was less of, cause I still think guys are attractive and everything. Like I went on a date with a guy last summer out mm-hmm. of curiosity, like, mm-hmm. and, but I know that in college I would actually cry and mourn over the fact of not being with a woman. Like I, I, it was a grieving process. That was what it was. And I think that there's a big piece of this, like, I thought I had to, like, this is my suffering because I had a huge fear. And I did talk about this with my, you know, accountability discipleship group. I said, I fear I'm going to wake up in the middle of a marriage, a middle-aged woman. I'm going to leave him for a woman. And I kind of had this, like, I know that's going to happen almost. And I said Mm. it was a fear, but I just had that, like, gut, this is what's going to happen. Wow. Because I can't do it forever. Right. (laughs) I can can only just pretend this is a struggle for so long. (laughs) So I was just like, because I would just always have that longing. So in college, it never, I kind of had that grasp. I graduated a little bit early, or like a semester early, and so I ended up doing the this program at Antioch, which was discipleship, this discipleship school. So it was a semester long and very confusing about what the purpose of it was. Okay, yeah, because I was gonna ask what yeah, why did you go into that? That is a question I think I'm still trying to answer. <laughs> like truly really when I when I got out, because because at the very end it's you do an outreach program. So you're overseas. And we were in Budapest at the time. And mm-hmm. I came back and I thought, what the hell did I just do? And why? You know, mm-hmm. I was so overwhelmed by that school of how do I even apply this to my life? And then now I was back in Dallas and I, I had had so much cushion around me with church mm-hmm. um, that I didn't know what to do on my own. Yeah. Um, That's interesting because when you're immersed in that church, it's like everything's sort of almost provided for you in a a certain way. You know, you have your friends there, you have your community. If you need something, they're there. And then you leave (laughs) and it's like, oh, wait, like, what do I, who am I right now? Because I don't have the, this like persistent, like people telling me who I am essentially, I think maybe. Yeah. And I, I think people telling you who you are is a big piece. Cause I didn't know my voice when I was there. I mm. thought it was, it was kind of fucked up in the brain a little bit in that. I thought, you know, all the thoughts I have are either God or Satan. Yep. I have no voice and um, I didn't know how to form my own opinions um, without consulting other people or without consulting God, who mm. um, 
that was even a mixed situation of how do I consult God? Like, yeah. really, I mean, it was it was weird. And do you think that that was because, like, once you're you were out in Dallas, that was kind of your thought process? Is that what you're saying? Um, or yeah. even in. I don't think I realized it until um, I think it started at the end of that discipleship program because that was weird. I was I was not in college, but I was still around that environment. But I wasn't. That was a my first step to being a little bit removed. It didn't really hit me until um, being back in Dallas and being out of college because mm-hmm. I tried to go to. Antioch sister church in Dallas to their church plant and totally different environment, you know, and, and not just because it's a Dallas, but just because one is so college focused mm-hmm. and this is people are working and I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going into the military, you know, oh, I, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to do the, I did have a plan with that. I thought I wanted to work for federal federal security. And I had a plan to, that was supposed to lead me to federal security. But I think I had a secondary motive of, this is another chance to go live a gay lifestyle without anybody knowing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I was home, literally just working out and, and applying was what I was doing and, and trying to kind of figure out my life. Cause I knew I needed to reconnect with my family before I left in college. I was very MIA and, they, my family took a back seat to the church that I was going to and mm. um, kind of damaged that relationship for a little bit. What do you mean by a back seat? And are you, ta- are you f- referring to Antioch? They took a back seat? Yes, my family did. Mm. I really, um, once I really got involved in that church, I. Well, I think as any new Christian, if anybody becomes a new Christian, they kind of become, you know, they're just totally drinking from a fire hydrant and become critical of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Not not because it's bad intentions. They're just so excited about what's, what they have learned and what's happened in their life. So I became kind of critical of my family. I didn't vocalize it all the time, but they certainly felt like, the church or Antioch specifically, because I won't say globally the church, but Antioch was a priority. So I would come home for a family event. Maybe it's my brother's birthday and I would try and spend the minimal time because I've got to get to church in the morning or, you know, my you know Bible study life group is having an event. So I would mm-hmm. come home for sometimes shorter than the drive was. So I would which is just like, oh. and it doesn't feel selfish, selfish at the time. And the only reason I recognize that now is because my brother said something. I don't think I would have heard it if my parents said something, but my brother said me, he felt like a backseat. And I was like, Oof. which is mm. hard. Cause I love my family and they are certainly here. At where, whereas people from Antioch are not anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah that's so i know exactly what you're talking about too of the like there is something to do every day if you want with with the church and they want to and want you to make that a priority and if you're not then you know you get questions about it 
Yeah, well, you get questioned, and um, I can see now that there's a a fear that the less involved you are, the more you'll fall away from mm-hmm. God and from what's doing right. And I think the biggest thing is that it's all in between. You're reading between the lines, not explicitly said. You know, it's all undertones. Mm-hmm which makes it hard to see until you're outside of it. Totally. And it's so, that's so spot on of like, you really can't see what, how much that church is really like forcing you to be part of their culture. And if not, then you're like not really in our culture. If you're not fully invested in our culture until you get out, because I think when you're in it and you're like missing a couple things or you're like kind of a little bit slipping away, someone like will talk to you about it and you feel like shit for like doing your own thing for once. <laughs> and oh, it's just so toxic. It's so, so bad. a sponsor? Hell yeah, I do. This episode is sponsored by Sacred, helping you build connection to self and others using the Enneagram personality tool. From workshops to one-on-one coaching, Sacred collaborates with individuals and teams to develop personalized growth plans that take self-awareness to the next level. Go to sacreddenver.com to learn more or schedule your first session today. Mention this podcast and get 10% off all products and services. Well, I was talk- I was going to talk about the so the aftermath of how it unraveled in you know Antioch, Dallas, because it was really different. And when I had I had the same discipler and that basically a spiritual mentor. I had the same person for three years at a college, and she was in leader high up in leadership. And I you know I felt lucky and flattered to be under her wing. And so, but it ultimately is anybody who's a part of the staff, you have to remind yourself that it's their job. So yes, they may care about you and say, I'm in your corner, I'm on your team. But after three to four years, maybe five, if you're a fifth year senior, you're gone. (laughs) You know, they have to start looking for new people. And so once I left, I felt dropped and unequipped to transition out of that environment mm-hmm. so I I would reach out and every now and then and um but it's never the same I'm floundering trying to be an adult and so I kind of get involved in this church in Dallas same same culture less intense um and it's, it's just kind of up and down so I I don't know what I'm doing and it's not even in regards to just sexuality I'm just trying to figure out who I am Mm-hmm. Um, without that sort of support system. And because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to, I was trying to recreate what I had in college, the same kind of accountability in this other environment. And mm-hmm. um, it's much more peer-based. So it's weirder. Anyways, so I get involved. I, my life group leader, Bible study leader, he asked me out on a date. Uh-uh. Yes. You said yes? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Here's the thing. I also had a very much like, it takes a lot of guts to ask someone out. So my policy always was if someone asked me on a date, I would say yes. 
which didn't happen often because I was very guarded with all my crushes and feelings. But mm-hmm. he asked me out. This is, um, uh, let's see, maybe about six months, six to eight months after I've left Waco specifically. We go on a date. We date for about two months. And the whole time I'm like very honest with him and saying, I don't know if I like you. <laughs> the whole mm-hmm. time I'm very much like, I don't know. Like, I don't. And he's calling me his girlfriend. I'm like, please do not do that. Oh, wow. Like, like okay. Just, which to his coworkers and stuff. And I just don't know if I like him. And I'm really trying to make it work almost because I think, I think I was grasping at straws because I was having to evaluate all these other faith things. I kind of had to evaluate my sexuality again. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, um, I get on dating apps Uh while you're dating him. Okay. And I, said it to girls and so i start swiping and talking to girls while i'm dating this guy and this is a little juicy i I, here's the thing i also can look back and it's funny to me now because you know we were never gonna work out anyways honestly (laughs) like but i remember driving to i was driving to this bible study on like a wednesday night or something and i'm sitting outside talking to this girl and i'm like you want to meet up yes. and I literally drive past the house I was <laughs> and I go meet this girl and that is the first time I like kiss a girl and uh, just like what am I doing but then I kind of freaked out yeah like, yeah obviously oh yeah I freaked out and I was like this is a problem Sarah you need to mm. finally address it mm. so then I start to address it. So what was what was that first kiss like? So here's what's funny is that I would say it wasn't all that like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I she was a little younger than me, a little immature. I mean, not that I wasn't immature too, but like she knew it was my first time kissing a girl. And it was pretty like I had kissed people before and I just thought it was a good kiss. I was like, this is a good kiss. Like, okay. Yeah. That's it. There was nothing. I didn't particularly like this person, so it wasn't anything different, which I think is interesting. Um, the, because I wasn't, it's not like I had butterflies or anything like that, but I knew I wanted to keep doing that over kissing the guy. But I, it wasn't like this was anymore. Like, yeah, I don't know. Cause it, that one wasn't, I think I was still really conflicted about it. So it wasn't, um, it was exciting because it was new but it wasn't this as aha of a moment. Mm-hmm. It, it was, was like a moment. Yeah. Like a little bit of a shameful kiss. <laughs> yeah. Like I totally left that and then ended up going to church and like confessing it at the front of the altar, like, <laughs> or like altar call. And then that's when I like, yeah. So then I kind of like stepped up my game in terms of fighting this issue that's when I went to this ministry in Dallas area. And it was basically, it's basically like a gay AA, like gays anonymous. Yeah. What's it called? It's called living hope ministry. Okay. I did that. You did. <laughs> when did you do that? So I, I thought it was called living waters forever, but I think that's actually the name of a church, which I should probably stop telling people is living waters. Yeah. They'll get a bad rep. Um, 
<laughs> I did that like my junior year, but it was like an online mm-hmm. support group. Okay, like the forums and stuff. Oh, the forums. And yeah. I it was weird because I like I'm like all of these people are gay and they're telling some like really juicy shit and I'm like kind oh. of turned on by this. <laughs> hot like and that's why like they couldn't share last names because it was like obviously they had i'm assuming they had a previous issue where people met up and like Mm -hmm. gay shit so yeah it was and that's the thing i think i had you know i obviously heard about them through antioch because the director he had come and spoken yeah maybe that's Maybe that's where I heard it from. So I okay, went, yeah, talk to me, because I never, like, went. So talk to me about that experience. That was really interesting. So I um, I went in secret. Only, like, two people knew about it. Um, a rando at church, because I put her down as my emergency contact. Right, just in so, case. Yeah, well, because you have to. And I was like, I'm not putting my mom down. And then, and then a girl in my Bible study. And so I went to that. And it was so weird, honestly. Like, and I, I'm, I'm torn about it because the people who are go, who go there, it's so earnest a lot mm-hmm. of the time. The people who are physically going, the most of the got the girls, because I like never interacted with the guys. Mm-hmm. The girls are generally older. It's not like a bunch of high school people who are being forced to. Specifically at this ministry, it's a lot of people seeking it out. Um, from the female side, at least. So, you know, there is this earnestness and genuine desire to do the right thing. But when I went, you you meet with, I met with the female director and they kind of walk you through almost, they have their spiel where it's, and I had heard it before because of their sermons that I'd heard online. And it's a little bit of an explanation of how you, could have maybe become gay. Yeah. Um, to, the thing is, it's this like butterfly analogy, but also it's like you're, they cover all the bases. So it's like, okay, so whether I grew up with a really strong mom or a really weak mom, mm-hmm. oh, that's the reason I'm gay. Like it kind of covers mm-hmm. like that you could have become gay. Yeah, and you it, have like no excuse. Back on the family, and I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know about this. Interesting. I don't Interesting. know. Also, because I don't know about the the guys is slightly different mm-hmm. what is it rough and tumble yes and if i hear rough and tumble versus the sensitive eye to eye i don't know what the other guy the... yeah it's like i don't remember the specific term they had for the gay child but it was either like you're rough and tumble or you're gay mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah exactly like what you said they cover all of the bases and it's like well, if you, most of the time, children who grow up and have a rough-and-tumble father and a rough-and-tumble brother might be more of the sensitive kind, and that's the gay one <laughs> or something, you know, not right. explicitly that, but well, yeah. But they're like, but sometimes the rough-and-tumble mm-hmm. secretly like, on the inside very sensitive. So it's like, okay. Yeah, so you're covering all of the gay community (laughs) yeah and that's and i think because a lot of people are searching for an answer you know because you want to you want to be able to say this is why i am the way i am 
and therefore I can try and fix the problems that came from that situation. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest thing about when I was going, um, I had a lot of issues with the environment. One, you can't reveal any sensitive information like your last name, where you work, where you live, coming from an environment where I told everyone everything, mm-hmm. you know, with these like accountability people in my life previously, I felt so disconnected from this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I would listen to people's stories and when we would share it in the circle and I thought, I am not like these people. Mm. Not that they were weird or different from me but I just knew I was like this their stories are not my own and I knew I didn't want to be quick to attach how they explained their gay to my life does that make sense like I didn't that's that's how they figured out they struggled with this situation I'm not going to attach the same reasons to mine just so I can have a explanation of why I'm gay Mm -hmm. um and I at this point I still don't even think I I was starting to think I am gay versus I struggle with same-sex attraction because those were very different things. One was not an, an identity and not my sole identity, but a piece of who I am versus mm-hmm. this other external temptation that I could minimize and distract and push away. Interesting. So do you think that there are two, like, do you think there are people that just struggle with same sex attraction versus that are gay? Um, no. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But during this time, yes. During this time, I think I was starting, that was starting to change. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was, I think that's just verbiage to try and make people feel better. Like it's something they can overcome. Yeah. Whereas when I would listen, you know, I just knew it wasn't me. And because a a big thing was they said that people who are same-sex attracted, they're looking for connection with people of the same gender in an unhealthy way. That somehow that need didn't get fulfilled before. So now they're seeking it out in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. And that's where I set, like had a big red X. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I had plenty of female healthy friendships in high school hmm. in college that were not weird that were not like I didn't have an absent like a, a lack of those relationships and I didn't have an unhealthy you know because I've heard a lot of stories where people date their best friend and mm-hmm. he's fine but like I didn't have that mm-hmm. and or they would try and place it on the relationship with your mother or relationship with your father and I thought Sure, my parent, my relationship with my parents aren't perfect, but I know they love me. And I know, you know, that's not the cause either. So that's where I kind of raised my eyebrow and started questioning things. That's so, it's interesting because you, you had a very supportive family growing up and like a very, like a normal life. And I would say that is like, a little bit uncommon with maybe just like maybe gay men, I guess, because most of the time we are like a little more feminine or we like have different interests. So therefore there's like a disconnect with our fathers. Mm -hmm. And so when they said that kind of stuff on their, on their, 
podcast or whatever it was, it was like, oh, this makes so much sense because I didn't have a dad that I connected with. I am now attracted to men. (laughs) Doesn't make sense now, but... (laughs) Right, no, but at the time, because I would even hear the two different birth stories they would tell. And I remember thinking the guy's version is so much more locked down, like, oh, this makes sense. And the female version of their, here's why you're gay, was so much more blurry. And um, I don't know why that is. I truly don't know why, but yeah. yeah, So, cause I, so I didn't have, I didn't have as much of that realization. Yeah. Or like, Oh, that's the pinpointing of my gayness. Yeah. That's, hmm, that's hard because then you're like, well, I don't fit here. Mm -hmm. Which ultimately was a blessing. Yeah. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, Cause I started to question things and I was like, no, no, no. And so meanwhile, and I, granted, so I was only there for maybe two months. I didn't last very long. And meanwhile, I go to a, a gay bar for the first time, you know, in that, the, the sole lesbian bar and kind of make friends and meet a girl who I actually kind of like for the first time versus mm-hmm. or I was strictly like, I'm just kissing someone for the first time and interacting with a gay person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, and I think, and this was, this was the first time I kind of had butterflies and stomach flipped and all this kind of stuff. And I remember, mm-hmm. oh, so I also, I've told my brother at this point. Oh, okay. One, one of your brothers. Yes. I told him when I was still sort of quote unquote struggling Mm-hmm. But he was, he's the most um, open-minded and left-leaning of my mm-hmm. siblings. So he, I knew he was going to be supportive. So you always have that one sibling that you're like, this is my safe person yes. to tell. And if they're okay with it, then like, maybe I'll be okay. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately I have, so I have three other siblings. I'm the youngest. And so it was nice that I have basically an ally amongst the family and Mm -hmm. you know it's not as everyone's opinion is very is still weighted but because there's more there's it's not as divisive yeah yeah totally siblings outnumber the parent so i tell and i just remember telling him like oh my gosh i have butterflies and blah blah blah." and he and i remember him saying that's how it should be you know and i was just like thanks james like you know oh that's so sweet and so was he did you tell him when when did you tell him um so that was unplanned we had we're at some family dinner you know we're sitting on the back porch drinking and Mm -hmm. the boys are smoking or whatever and and we kind of get into our own side conversation and everyone kind of starts to move it or like go inside and it you know it it always boils down to a religious conversation and that's just because it's so integral into family and it obviously makes this so much harder so a lot of it centers mm-hmm. around faith discussions and I mean it was kind of a long time ago it was almost a, almost three years ago now oh wow uh, okay and I don't remember exactly but I could just feel it that I was like whatever we were talking about just kind of came out that I was 
<laughs> and so did you. Did, yeah, yeah, exactly. It just like kind of poured out. And I don't even remember. I truly don't remember what I said, whether I said I was struggling with this, whether you know, I've kind of always liked girls. And he asked me some questions. And the only thing I really remember was he said something along the, along the lines of, I'm so sorry you had to go through this for, by yourself for so long. Because he was a really thinking back on my high school experience. I, I'm sure a lot of people go through this, but I, there was a definite period of me hating myself and, you know, and just crying and, and praying to God, like, get away, you know, I don't want this thorn in my side anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he was just, he was very empathetic and just sorry that I had to go through it, which was a great first person. Yeah. Like, come out to. Yeah. And he didn't have answers for me and I didn't have answers for myself. I think very soon after that, he said, I'm coming to your wedding, just so you know. Stop. Like, (laughs) I know. It truly, I got lucky with that one. That was a good, a good first kind of coming out. So. For sure. I love it. Once you were in Dallas, were you automatically living with your family? Like when you were going through Living Hope and all of that? Yes. Okay. So I was at home, which was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had a little bit of like sneaking around going on, which I don't do well with that in my parents. Cause we're just pretty, I'm pretty upfront and well, maybe not always upfront, but I'm because I never had anything to hide. So it was yeah, I, hard being at home. I get that. You're like, I don't want to lie about where I'm going right now, but also like, you don't really want to know. (laughs) They do not want to know. (laughs) Yeah. I I went through that same. I lived with my parents. I moved back to Denver a couple of years ago, almost two years ago. And it's just hard. Like you're an adult. They're adults. You're no longer in high school. Right. And so it's like, you're not controlled by them. But also you need to respect them, but also like you have your own life. So yeah. When did you, first off, are you out to your parents? Yes. So everyone in my immediate family, and then I'm not really, there's only maybe three to four people that I still want to have a conversation with. Otherwise I could care less. Who knows? I'm tired of having to do those conversations. So I'd rather just, and I don't have a reason to, unless I'm dating someone that I want to introduce, I don't feel a need. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a hard part too. Like, o- almost having a partner is so much easier just to tell people and be like, "Oh, this is my boyfriend," or "This is my girlfriend," and then they're like, "Oh, oh," you know, and then you're not, yeah. Like instead of calling them up and being like, "Hey, I'm gay," <laughs> right? I have something to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> It's the, yeah, I hate, I hated, hated that process. And so when were you like, okay, I, I need to tell my parents. So you've gone through living hope and I'm assuming you didn't tell your parents then. No, I, I told them I was going to Bible study. That's, <laughs> which, you know, it kind of yeah, was. It, it was not a lie. It was yeah, like a white lie. There was a sermon, you know, uh, so actually my mom was unplanned. Like it had been really weighing on me. Like I was definitely waking up in the middle of the night crying. I definitely, I didn't really know what anxiety was, but that was the first time I had really experienced that. Like 
it was this, all that was going on in my brain was coming out then and just really overwhelming me because I knew I needed to tell them. And so when I told my mom, I went on a walk with my dog and, or with the family dog. And I was crying. I started crying about just like the general world, like, Mm -hmm. like the depravity of the world, very Christian, just like, Oh, the sin of the world or whatever. (laughs) I come back home or just like the darkness of it and the heaviness. I came home and my mom says, Oh, you look happy or something like that. And I said, what? Like, I was not happy. I was just crying and I have no idea part of that conversation, but all I knew was I'm emotional right now. I need her to see that side, that this Mm. is a hard thing for me to share because I can get very defensive around my family. Um, You know, I was very much a, you don't taught, you don't talk back to your parents, you know, very, you listen to what they say. They are the ultimate authority figure. I didn't learn how to voice my opinion and my thoughts. Do y'all know your Enneagram type? I'm a nine and score really high as a seven. This means I'm pretty easygoing. I love people and want to make sure that everyone's having a hell of a good time. You can count on me to be there when you need a good friend or break the ice or awkward tension with a joke. I was introduced to the Enneagram a long time ago and it's helped me really understand how I'm wired, why I don't love conflict, why I have a harder time expressing what I want versus letting everyone decide for me. I also learned a ton about how my family of origin plays into who I am and how to do relationships. So whether you know your type or or you're curious to find out more, I really recommend Sacred's Coaching and their leadership consulting for anyone wanting to take their self-awareness and relationships to that next level. Check out sacreddenver.com to learn more or to schedule your first session today. Mention this podcast for a 10% discount on all products and services. Have you taken the Enneagram? Yes. What are you? Nine. Yeah, okay, same. I was going to say 100%. Yep. Totally. Nine is the peacemaker and someone who does not fight authority. I don't rock the boat. I don't like, and because it's funny, I I wouldn't say I'm like a harmonious kumbaya person, but I definitely don't like conflict. And so I'd rather just default to whoever has the loudest voice is really what it is. So, and, and my mom had the loudest voice. So I wanted it to share this information when I was vulnerable and because otherwise I would just be hard and say, this is how it is. I'm gay, you know, live with it versus, hey, this is a hard thing for me to share. And so we kind of sit down. And it takes me forever to talk about it. And she thinks I'm about to tell her that I'm pregnant. <laughs> I mean, she's like, how bad can it be? You didn't kill someone, did you? And I said, no, mom, I didn't kill anybody. She's like, well, are you pregnant? And I said, no. Quite the I, opposite, mother. Quite, yeah. quite the opposite. Definitely the opposite. I was like, you wish. <laughs> um, so I I didn't say I'm gay. I think I said I'm not straight, what I said. And then kind of we gradually talked about it. And But I wanted, I remember thinking, I want to make sure they don't think that there's hope. So I did not mention being bi at all. I also thought they wouldn't understand that. Honestly, yeah. I didn't want them to think that I had a choice because uh, that's what of would have come out of it was, okay, we'll just suppress that side of you and be with a man. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an easier life for you. It's going to be an easier life for us. 
And I think a lot of people come out that way of because it is easier to tell someone that you're bi because, oh, maybe there's a chance, even though deep in your heart, you know, you're gay is the easier way out. And but then you have the the repercussions of going through, hey, sorry, I gave you a glimmer of hope or whatever it is. No longer. So good on you for 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 doing that. Yeah, I knew I just knew I needed to rip the bandaid off. Because I knew if I, because I, t- I definitely understand people. It's sort of a soft, it's the softball versus this fast pitch. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, th- I just knew my family enough that I can't do it again. And so I was like, we're just going to, we're going all in. We're going to do it. Yeah. And so your mom was like, wait, you're, you're gay? Yes. She's like, wait, what? and it was an interesting situation mm-hmm. um it wasn't really bad but she there was definitely a lack of understanding of what why she thought there was like a motive behind me being gay she was like is there i think honestly i i've mostly tried to forget about it and that i mean that was not as traumatic as following situations honestly um, because she, I don't know if she thought it was all like sexual driven, like, you know, sex isn't what life is all about type of situation, which I understand. I was like, I don't think that sex is all what it's all about, but it was, a, it was confusing. Um, it was a confusing conversation because she didn't get it. And I, I felt like I had to defend it because I also didn't understand myself how to tell her that this is a big part of me. And yes, it is part of my identity, but it's not my sole identity. I couldn't communicate that at the time, that it's not everything I'm about. Because if I said, this is not all I'm about, she would have said, okay, fine, then don't be gay. Don't share it. Don't focus on it. Life isn't about sex, which I was like, it's not. But I don't know. It was very confusing. Hmm. Yeah. So, and uh, how did you leave it? You know, how did you walk away from that? Yeah, I left it. I don't remember, but I know that in the days following, um, she didn't tell my dad initially. What did happen was we talked about going to therapy, not to change the situation, but because she was worried I would make decisions that I would regret. Not necessarily I'm going to start to live a lifestyle and regret it, but just with mental health, I had brought up that it had been hard and that I had, you know, hated myself for this at one point. And I think she just needed we needed to outsource some help Mm -hmm. so i ended up that's and so that led me to start going to therapy and then she told my dad that i was going to therapy and she told my dad basically okay so you didn't have to tell your dad no um i did was that nice or was that like you wish you would have initially i thought okay that was my information to share but Mm -hmm. i'm not surprised she couldn't keep that in very long and and it was also nice because I did have a I still brought it up to my dad I said hey so I know you know and I kind of already knew what his answer was going to be based off what my mom said Mm -hmm. so I wasn't scared as much I was still scared to talk to him but his answer his was very well you're still my daughter and I love you and that's that it was very period Matter of fact, cool, you know, mm-hmm. and and I have since become closer with him. 
because of coming out. I, I think Yeah. I had a very neutral to good relationship with him. It was a, a positive neutral who say, but it wasn't mm-hmm. in this case. I, I felt more affection from my dad because he very much understood that we've raised you the best we could. You have to live your life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas my mom has, has a lot more, tied to how we do in life she feels mm-hmm. much more like our life is a reflection of her which i think is understandable yeah. she was mostly a stay-at-home mother so how my life turns out is much more of a reflection of her job basically which it shouldn't be but i can understand where she comes from. yeah that was that's interesting and i think a lot of parents have to learn that too when their kids become adults of like yes you raise them and no matter what or how you raise them to be doesn't necessarily define their sexuality <laughs> and like and that's even you know backtracking on like thinking that's a a bad thing that you are gay you know it's 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 parents put so much pressure on themselves too that's just not fair for them, but also for you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So when was that? Like what year age was that? Um, so that was in 2018. 2018 okay. was the year I came out to every immediate family member, being my siblings and my parents. Okay. And I was, so I was 23. Yeah. The year I came out to all my family members and some of my, most of my close friends. And so they were about, summertime i believe was when my mm-hmm. parents my parents and then i still had a brother and a sister left to tell and what was interesting was the conversation with my parents were way less religion way less religion focused it was more of worried about life in general how it was going to be for me hardships that came with it how it reflected on them what is this going to mean for us as a family going forward what is it going to mean for sort of our reputation as a family so then I told my brother and his wife and um that that was a shock to them your oldest brother yes the older of the two he's the second child and I've had a lot of religious conversations with him or spiritual conversations with him so his main goal was her main priority was are you still a Christian (laughs) how you how you answer that question depends on how i treat you or how i respond i should say okay i was like because <laughs> yeah, if i was still very much a christian he would i would tell you that i think it's wrong and hold you to that standard if you don't believe that then i'm not going to expect you to follow what i believe the bible says so so then i kind of had to come clean and be like i don't know i'm questioning things you know yeah i, yeah. I kind of gave the bible the correct Bible school answer at first saying, mm-hmm. of course, I still believe Jesus is our savior. And then I had to kind of backtrack and be like, wait, don't, don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, You gave off. the correct nine answer is exactly what you did. Yes. So, but overall that was a good conversation. And I had subsequent conversations after that with him, but it, they were still definitely shocked. Um, I would say no one was not shocked or surprised the only my mom was a little bit like well you know i asked you this before which she did technically she did in college or sorry yeah in college wow because like when i kind of had my christian Mm -hmm. awakening i was like 
you know, that was when I, I confessed, like, embarrassingly so, I confessed, like, lust and pornography to her. I don't know yeah. why. I just thought I needed to. And because she, that was so much easier than telling her that you thought you were gay. Yeah. And she goes, well, you aren't gay, are you? And I was like, nope, definitely not that. That's how she oh, Yikes. And so I, the last one was my sister and her husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, She doesn't live in Texas. So that was over the phone and right before Christmas. It's like they were in a few days, they're about to board and come home for for Christmas. And I just kind of spilled the beans and was like, I don't know how to say this. And I did not do that one as well. I'll be honest. I kind of just dropped that information on them. But at that point, I was so tired and I just, yeah, I knew I needed to tell them. So yeah. I told them they got here. You told them before they got here? Yeah. So that way it wouldn't be as big of a deal, which it still was. Anyone's worst nightmares to be the like, topic of the Christmas conversation argument. I feel like there, no matter what family you come from or what you do, there's going, there's usually extended time with your family. I, I have like a three day rule with mine of like after three days. We're done hanging out and because it's not good for us. And so, but I think when those arguments come up, like the last person that you want to be is the one that is being argued about. And especially when it has something to do so personally with your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, of course, of course it's going to be scarring and hard and, and whatnot. When you come out, it's such a shock and such a life change for your family. And it's and not only for you, but like, then you think about your family who have grown up one way and believed one thing one way. And then all of a sudden, someone that they love so much is now gay and out or lesbian or in it. It it makes them start to think of like, what have I been thinking the last 40, 80 years of my life, you know? And so, of, yeah, I think it's, I think that's hard because it, yeah, you can't really, you can't blame your parents for how they react in that moment. <laughs> um, how are they now? They are very good. So, well, and I'll say one thing too. Yeah, keep going. Important is one thing that even my therapist always would we would talk about was you know I had I'm 26 now I have had about 10 years worth of processing the fact that I'm gay coming to terms with it myself when by the time that I started coming out to them they've only had three years to do that yeah so they have a whole different you know schema a script for my life and they, they have had such a short amount of pro- time to process that information compared to someone who knew when they were eight, when they were 15, when they were 20. Everyone's situation is different. So someone may be in a more unsafe situation. But for mm-hmm. me, it was really important for me to keep that in mind, mm-hmm. to know that like I'm going to try and have as much empathy and patience for them as I tried to have for myself, really. With talking with friends who have come out, and whose parents have been very reactive or negative in that sense, it really goes back to like your original or not your original, your like upbringing with your parents. Have you always been super close with your parents or have you always had somewhat of a distance? Are your parents healthy people who are reacting out of this 
they don't this is new and they don't know what or are they just unhealthy adults which turns out a lot of uh, parents are <laughs> unfortunately i think for you it sounds like your parents are very healthy reacted well you know give or take <laughs> whatever that looks like but reacted in where where they needed to react or how they only knew how to react in that. right and so now where they're at is you know i think i've been living with my parents for the last year with the Mm -hmm. pandemic. That of course has brought me closer, definitely. But even before then, I would say I told them I was dating someone seriously after about, oh, maybe a year after I came out with them, to came out to them. Um, At the time when I came out, I wasn't dating anybody, but I had maybe told them six months into this relationship that I was dating someone. And I say that because they met her and you know, it was very brief or like she came over on time for a family event and uh-huh. weird, but good. It was okay. Wow. What was, uh, maybe we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that's crazy. Yeah. And and they, you know, again, like even telling them that I was dating someone was a, felt like another coming out um, yeah. because now it was a reality before it was just a fact about myself. And now it's changing the dynamic of the family or, and also, cause we don't really talk about relationships anyways and dating mm. in the family. We only really know about someone until you're going to get engaged, you know, to that person. Interesting. No it's, pressure. They know about your girlfriend. Yeah. Now you have to get married. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and a big part of dating, I didn't want to, again, I didn't want to be secretive. I had been secretive for so long that, you know, I don't want to be secreted about who I'm hanging out with. It might be uncomfortable to say I'm going on a date with a girl or something like that, or, you know, her name is whatever, but I didn't want it to be, yeah, I just didn't want to be secretive. So yeah, that's, that's good. So with them, with my parents, they have definitely, there's definitely disconnect still about certain things. There's still topics I avoid Ultimately, where they're at is they want me to be happy. They think my life is going to be harder, but I think a lot of it has come down to we raised you as best we could, and you have to do what's right for you and what's going to make you happy. And I think I try and emphasize you raised me well. Trust me with how you raised me. You know, trust me to make the right decisions for myself. Trust me to still be that healthy individual because there's still a negative connotation they have about the gay community in general. You know, I've had to try and break some of the stereotypes. I mean, even with the, that person I dated long-term, there was question of who's the more masculine one, you know, and the worry that I was going to be the more masculine one. Like there's, mm-hmm. there is still stereotypes that, that are still harbored, I guess, or that they still innately believe, but I think that's just a slow, slow process. And I just try and, I try and bring in normality as I can. Cause it there is so much more, it's so much more normal than people think. After coming out, where have you grown? I think I trust myself so much more now. Mm. I don't look to other people for what I like, what I don't like beyond just, Oh, the fact that I like women, it's, I was so concerned about people's perceptions of me before and part of that is appeasing and part of that is not wanting to rock the boat. But 
I'm so much more comfortable with trusting myself and also I think and not feeling like I have to have resolution about everything. I wanted to have an answer for everything. I wanted to have everything figured out. And obviously figuring out your sexuality, you're going against the norm of society. And so it you don't want to, it causes all this, you know, dust to come up and, and the dust will settle and you'll figure things out. But you're having to kick that up and figure it out. And I had to be okay with, the cloud, the messiness, and not having initial resolution. So I'm much more okay. This will be a lifelong process too, but I'm more okay with the gray of everything and not have everything figured out. Yeah, I think that's good because especially even in today's society with both straight and gay communities, you need to look like you have your shit figured out. Um, whether that's on Instagram or in your conversations with the, you know, at the, at the Christmas dinner, things like that. It, it feels like you need to have that figured out. And how cool is that, that you're like, nah, you know, I don't. And it, you know what? It's okay, actually. And I don't have to give you an answer or I am still working through this. So cool. So switching topics just a little bit. Okay, maybe a lot of it. What is what has dating been like for you? Um, not only are we in a friggin' pandemic and you're living with your parents, but you're experiencing gay dating for is it you know, when did you first start dating? Is this kind of new for you, or is it something we've been going through a couple of years now? We're fight you know, where are you at? Um, yes and no to it being new. Okay. Um, at the very beginning Right, you were sneaking out, to, yeah, you know. I was, I was going on dates, and that was that was just like testing the waters, and just like, yeah. oh god, like don't look at me in the eye, please, because I'm so terrified, <laughs> you know. Or, um, but then honestly, I got into a relationship. The beginning of 2018 is when I started coming out. By the end of 2018, by like October, I was dating. So I started dating someone who I'd been dated for a little over a year. Wow. So I kind of, I jumped into that and you that were was, a full on lesbian and doing I that really was now didn't you haul, but maybe emotionally, <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely jumped in and had it, but it was, I got lucky for my first long-term relationship like that. Like it was really good. And I don't, you know, for various reasons it ended mostly cause I, it was, I was still so new and I just wasn't sure. And then after that, I kind of, then I really kind of started dating around. And I mean, that was a Tinder situation. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing is I have no qualms about online dating. Like mm. I've had success, I guess. So maybe that's why I don't like care about that. But, um, and because I'm definitely like, in the lesbian community now with and I've experienced, I've experienced some of the drama the stereotypes <laughs> there's truth to that of the like dating when it, within friend groups and so that's what I kind of like the apps is that then you meet people not in that circle perfect yes less drama for me because honey you do not know half of my friends than that I have also kissed <laughs> yes I'm like great I only had three months of through single like mm-hmm. wild fun before pandemic hit uh-huh. so i soaked it in then and then um with dating during this last year 
I've experienced rejection for the first, like, really. So that's interesting. Oh, okay. Great learning lesson. I mean, because also, again, I never put myself in the situation to be rejected. Mm-hmm. But I, I have learned now that I go for what you want and be up, like, say what I want to say and, like, be honest about liking someone and, and asking someone out versus, uh, being passive and just like hoping that they'll ask or you know it's just like yeah instead of waiting around for them to tell you that they like uh, you know you're not waiting for them anymore you're done with that shit and it's just so it's so different too compared to what i was raised about (laughs) dating and i love it i love I enjoy, well, it's still terrifying. Don't get me wrong. Like Mm -hmm. asking people out and stuff like that. But, you know, that has to do, that comes from confidence and knowing your self-worth. And I've had to, I've had to realize like, don't freak out just because you're worried you're not going to have a long-term partner or something like that. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to marry this person necessarily. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I think that goes back to like the scarring of growing up in Antioch of like, don't date this person unless you think you're going to marry them. And that's the thing. So like that long-term girlfriend, like he had almost no religious background and it was a great relationship. Yes. You know, and I think that like moving forward, I would want someone who had some background, but Mm -hmm. I realized that that's not, but that's only because it's a relatable factor, not because I don't think it can work it's just it just would mean that they know where i'm coming from better yes i can't agree more what a relief to hear that too of like it's okay if someone does have a religious background but that's not why i'm dating them it helps because we have one more thing to relate on but that does not necessarily make them a good or bad person one last time thank you again to sacred for sponsoring this episode y'all i'll let you in on a little something something sacred was started in 2019 by my sister whitney she is an educator and a counselor in training and most importantly a huge supporter and advocate for the lgbtq community she loves going deep with groups and individuals and really cannot wait to connect with you or your work team you can find her on instagram at at sacred underscore denver or go to sacred denver Make sure to mention this podcast for 10% off all products and services. Thanks again, Wit. Love you. So I've been listening to this podcast called Dirty Rotten Church Kids. Have you heard of them? I have. I haven't listened, but I want to. Their podcast is unbelievable. Just sort of just going through what they experienced growing up as Christians. Um, And they were like very much so in the church and et cetera, but they just had this one episode on date like a Christian (laughs) and how fucked up a lot of what we learn really is to being like humans. Yes, there's a lot of good of like, you want to protect your heart. You don't want to give your all right away, blah, blah, blah. But the like messiness of this, like, do not date someone if you don't think you're going to marry them. Ugh, scary. Like that puts so much pressure on us. And even as like a young confused kid looking at women myself, like looking at I'm like, mm, probably wouldn't marry you. <laughs> poor guy, poor girls too. They're <laughs> like, you know.
like, okay, so how are you going to get to know someone? You can't know someone only through group settings and like mm-hmm. friends hanging out. Or then, then you're setting up yourself up for a very vague, like, let's hang out. We're not going to go on a date because then that would be official, yeah. too official. And, yeah. you know, I like being very clear about let's go on a date. I, I like good. Explicit, here's what we're doing. Like, yeah. And I think that sh- should be how it is. Like, I think that is, that's one thing I did take away from that of like, be honest and be truthful about whether or not you're going to be dating someone because otherwise there's just confusion and that's not good for anyone. And on the other side, the gender roles are like out the window. Which like, kind of thank God because to me, yeah, there, and that's a learning curve. That's a learning curve. Like when you're dating, like you're lesbian or bisexual or whatever person, then people have more power in the situation. Does that make sense? Or like they, and I don't say that in like a bad way, power, but it's, you know, authority. I mean, it's uh, so like back to Christian dating. It was like the man pursues the woman and the woman will either like she gets the power or the authority to accept the date or not. But after that, it's kind of like only up to the guy to like continue to pursue or set the boundaries or whatnot. Like, as a woman in gay or I'm sorry, in, in straight Christian dating, like you are like really suppressed in a lot of things, which is just so fucked up because it's not like that. And if you are straight and you're listening to this and you're a woman, like you are allowed to have fucking authority in your relationship and say whether or not things are good or bad and whether or not you're on a date or whether or not you're paying for something, but also with, now being gay it's like uh, and i'm assuming for you as a woman too you're like i hope feel very empowered with dating like yeah you get to set the rules now yeah i mean that's the thing i think initially it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. because you're doing these things you're kind of not comfortable with doing because that's not how you were raised to do those things so you're not gonna (laughs) be bold and make the first move or you know ah well this could be with anybody you're on you sometimes you don't want to express your feelings because you're unsure about someone else yeah which it's not bad to be patient and in times like wait to react to something but i'm already naturally can be that way in my default so it's really nice to to learn how to do that and not have an obstacle like gender norms in the way you know i guess is the best way to put it and you know what's interesting is that because the rules are thrown out the window it's different for every relationship which should be the case for every straight relationship too Hmm. every guy and girl is different and brings different strengths and so in this case, you really come much more with a clean slate of, I have no idea, you know, you might present one way, but you're not really that way. You're you, like, if you present more confident and masculine, like I'm talking about in more woman and woman situation. Yeah. There's the assumption that they're going to be the more dominant person. And that's not always the case or more opinionated or, you know, or maybe you're both coming a very neutral like, or even both feminine situation. And yeah, you get to, every relationship has a different dynamic. 
Yeah, there's some beauty to that, too. And because also we're gay and we can relate on being gay. And like, I don't know, I think it's funny, like the first dating conversations, I feel like at least for me and for I think gay men is like, how did you what's your coming out story? And that like brings up like this is my whole podcast. (laughs) And like it's just normal to talk about that. And you bring out your trauma or your like fucked up life. And then you're like, Yeah. And what's your name, by the way? (laughs) And like where what city are you from? What's your favorite color? If you had some advice for a woman who is in the process of figuring out her sexuality and, you know, processing what that looks like. What What is a good piece of advice or maybe a piece of advice that you got when you were going through that that you think they should hear? I would say be patient with yourself, be kind with yourself. And so that's more in the coming out to yourself and be okay with the speed at which you come out. There is no right way to do it. There is no wrong way to do it. And then in terms of coming out to other people, allow, give people the opportunity to surprise you with their, Mm. like, I know there are people I was really scared to tell or, and they said, you know, give us a chance to surprise you. You know, you may think that we're going to react one way and we're not. Um, There were a couple people who I thought were going to be way less accepting and surprise me i love that that's great okay last question mm-hmm. if you were today to go back to yourself in high school and like just be able to sit with yourself for a second so little high school sarah what would you tell her um about what's to come and any advice that you would give her? I would say that you don't just like Demi Lovato's music. First of all, (laughs) I would say like, I don't think you just like her music. Lean into that, honey. I would say that. (laughs) Um, And then for what's to come, I would say, you know yourself best. Maybe just say, listen to yourself. I would say trust. It's, I really think, those are the biggest things. Trust yourself, listen to yourself, and don't be afraid of what other people think. Your voice matters. Your voice is to be trusted. Your voice is to be heard, to be expressed, um, and really that it matters. And so don't dismiss it and don't forget about it in everything that you're doing, in everything that you are learning about yourself and and that you will learn your voice more as you get older, obviously, and you become more in tune with who you are, but you have to start listening to it right now. Don't let everyone else's voice become your own. I think that's maybe it. You're yeah. your own person and that person is good and that's what I wish. I would have. De- I wish I would have developed my opinion sooner oh sarah seriously thank you so freaking much for just even coming on here and talking with me um watching you i mean i i know you from a distance on instagram and whatnot but watching you through this process and also just hearing your story has been so um encouraging to me um and i know a lot of other people will be encouraged by this um you've gone through a lot and you're 
out on the other side and it's 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 okay to be in the gray um as you said and um it can uh, life is just it's so much more beautiful when you're you're finally accepting yourself and i'm i'm watching that through you so thank you very much Thanks again, everyone, for listening in this week. Before you go, I just want to remind you that we are on Apple Music, Spotify, uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts. So please go like, comment, uh, and subscribe, too. I'm not really sure what all of that does, but it makes me feel a lot better. Next week, we'll be talking with Margaret, who came out as bi a few years ago, and will give us an awesome insight to the bi community. I think the bi community is something that a lot of people really don't understand so i'm pumped to have her on and share her experiences once again thank you so much hunter gorman for the editing and helping me produce this i would not be where i am today without you my name is jack thanks for tuning into this week's episode of y'all are gay